This is the Sports and Entertainment Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you education, information, and inspiration only on market scale. It's not as traditional or pigeonholed as you might have seen. You're seeing a real diversification across genres and across platforms. Building your brand is not around your product, so your team and your players, but you build your brand around truly this experience and this community and the team on a greater scale, you know, the team of the past 30 years. We aren't in the baseball business. We are in the entertainment business, the experience business, and most importantly, the people business. The game's about to start. Let's make some noise. All right, hello and welcome to a new episode of the Market Scale Sports and Entertainment Podcast. I'm your host as always, Tyler Kern. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the show. This episode's going to be all about building. That's what we're going to focus on. We're going to talk to Jeff O'Connell, the editor-in-chief of Bodybuilding.com, about the growth of the sport and how social media has really changed the game. Uh, He's going to help us understand the opportunities that the growth has created uh, with sponsors and influencers, and also some of the misconceptions that hold this niche industry back and some of the opportunities that the sector has to look forward to in the future. So that's a little bit about our conversation conversation with Jeff O'Connell, the editor-in-chief of Bodybuilding.com. After that, we have a short little teaser of an interview I did with Ren Baker. He's the vice president and director of athletics at the University of North Texas. It's going to be part of a longer conversation that's going to come out later this week. So as always, you're going to want to subscribe uh, to the podcast either on iTunes or on Spotify or bookmark the uh, Market Scale Sports and Entertainment page if that's how you're listening to these episodes. Uh, that way you can make sure that you are up to date, that you get the latest episodes. If you're a Mean Green sports fan or if you're just interested in how an athletic director at a school like North Texas, a school that hasn't had a ton of athletic success in their history, is starting to build a consistent winner. Their football program has won nine games in back-to-back seasons. Uh, really none of the major football programs in the state of Texas can boast that. Not A&M, not Texas, not Texas Tech, not SMU, uh, not Houston, none of them. So it's really interesting that uh, they're able to achieve that at North Texas. So we're going to talk to Ren Baker just about how he's going about building that consistent winner, that consistent program there at North Texas, and what it takes and some of the other interesting challenges like media exposure and things like that. So it's going to be a fascinating conversation that you're not going to want to miss when it comes out in a few days. But for now, you're going to hear a little teaser, and it's going to be his answer to the question of what is the full potential? What is the ceiling of success for North Texas? And you're going to want to hear what he has to say about that. It's just a quick little teaser. Just to get you interested in what that full episode is going to be like. So that is what's coming up on the Market Scale Sports and Entertainment Podcast today. I'm very happy that you've tuned in for this episode. Coming up next is our correspondent, Elmer Gordado's conversation with Jeff O'Connell, the editor-in-chief of Bodybuilding.com. That's next on the Market Scale Sports and Entertainment Podcast. Welcome to another Market Scale feature. I'm your host, Elmer Guardado. Today we're joined by Jeff O'Connell, Editor-in-Chief of Bodybuilding.com. He oversees daily content for the most heavily trafficked fitness site in the world, and he has also co-written two New York Times best-selling novels. As bodybuilding continues to grow and become more nuanced, Jeff is going to help us understand the opportunities the growth has created for sponsorships and influencers. We're also going to talk about some of the misconceptions that still hold the niche back, and about the kind of opportunities the sector can look forward to. I guess my first question, Jeff, is, you know, it's no surprise that we've seen this uh, sector grow over the last couple of years, but 
I'm curious from your point of view, what are some of the main things that have, uh, you know, triggered or, or allowed for this kind of growth to happen? Yeah, I think from the competitive side, bodybuilding is not really grown that dramatically. A little bit maybe on the male side and actually female bodybuilding has kind of now given way to different different competitive classes like bikini and figure and fitness, uh, much more attainable, accessible physique. And that's kind of exploded. Um, but I think bodybuilding as a competitive sport on the male side has been kind of flat for a while. But I think where it's really exploded has been in the broader society where just everyday people, teachers, truck drivers, uh, you know, insurance agents, all of us are now much more aware of the health benefits of lifting weights and resistance training. I mean, there's been study after study after study showing that it's great, you know, for so many different physical factors. Whereas before, I think people thought, well, cardio is great for your heart. And if you go back a few decades, you know, doctors would even say that weightlifting was bad for you. So that's been completely turned up on its head. And uh, I think so many people now realize that weight training is an important part of any physical fitness regimen and more people than ever are doing it. The thing I would add too is I think social media has had a big, big positive impact as well. Um, anytime you're on Facebook or, fits or Instagram, you see people posting pictures of their workouts or their healthy meal or maybe a selfie after the workout. Um, and I think that's created kind of this feedback loop where people are realizing that, oh, wow, my, my neighbor's doing this. My friend from high school is doing this. Uh, maybe I should do it too. Yeah, no, and I think we we're definitely seeing a, a this being con a consistent thing throughout, right, as people are starting to get wise to just, you know, the health benefits. Even I think we're seeing this with food, right, and, and how that's changing every year a little bit more and more yeah so you know when we when we think about the sports industry has has bodybuilding caught up in ways of like you know the opportunities that we see with advertisers or sponsors or influencers has, have you seen any changes in regards to this yeah i think social media again plays a big role in this um the competitive bodybuilders i think the people at the very top of the sport you know mr olympia who's like the uh, it's like the heavyweight boxing champion, the equivalent of that for, for bodybuilding. That person had sponsorships 10 years ago, and they still do. But I think the, the economics have changed drastically in terms of influencers coming to the fore on Instagram and Facebook and building huge followings themselves and being able to sell supplements and becoming affiliates for other people who make supplements and signing endorsement deals with apparel manufacturers and people like that. So I think the proliferation of that ecosystem has been like the, the major development economically. It's a challenge like for our site, bodybuilding.com, which after the magazines, you know, rose to prominence, we sort of became the biggest fitness site in the world and we still are. But now we're sort of competing with all these individuals who 10 years ago could only have gotten exposure through our website. Well, they now have Instagram accounts with 2 million followers. So um, it's really changed a lot. Um, it's much more democratic. The barriers to entry are lower than ever. And it's, uh, it's, I mean, honestly, it's a challenge for a website like ours. I like that you said democratic because I also think there's also this uh, emphasis on personality-driven content too. And I think that's obviously because of the pro proliferation of social media and, and specifically Instagram, I think. But a as we're looking forward, you know, on the, on the business side, what, what kind of things and, and opportunities do you think uh, the sport or the... Uh, I guess the, the sector of bodybuilding, you know, what do you think we have to look forward to? What kind of growth or, or opportunities are on the horizon? Well, that's a good question. I think one area that hopefully will become more prevalent in the future is, like I said, it's become more democratic, which means that more and more people can kind of 
and fallings and disseminated information. The downside to that is that a lot of that is not necessarily the best information. It's not evidence-based. So I'm hopeful that somehow there'll be a shakeout where, yeah, I mean, more and more people have access to followings and be able to share fitness information because I think that's great. I think it's motivational. Anything that gets more people thinking about their fitness and eating well, I think is a net positive for society. But hopefully there's also uh, an awareness that um, you you really want evidence-based good information, um, not just sort of what we call bro science, you know, something that somebody read somewhere and now suddenly they're on Instagram and they're an expert. Because that can be, be not helpful or actually even harmful in certain situations. Um, so hopefully there'll be sort of a filtering out of some of the, the wackier stuff and more focus on people who really know what they're talking about. Yeah, that's the interesting thing about this, right, is that if uh, misinformation is not only generally bad, but in in this case, it could be, you know, um, life-threatening. And and I think that, that that's something that, that that's interesting and very unique to, to bodybuilding and the sports industry. So do you think there's anything outside of just hoping for a shakeup and for people to wisen up about, you know, what information is valid and, and, and what isn't? Do you think there's anything the industry might need to do since it is such a, uh, you know, to, after a certain point, it is so serious because of the kind of repercussions it could cause? Yeah, I don't know that it's, it's hard. I mean, social media is sort of, it takes on a life of its own, you know, and what people gravitate toward, nobody can really control that. I think that's both sort of the magic of it and also the potential pitfall of it. So I think it's kind of hard to police that other than to hope. I mean, on our side, we, everything we pre- present is evidence-based. We always encourage people to be knowledgeable. And if you're, if it's diet, hopefully you're listening to a registered dietitian. If it's about training, hopefully it's a certified strength and conditioning specialist. Um, but at a certain point, yeah, you just have to hope that people are sophisticated and smart enough to realize the source of their information, you know, how credible and qualified that person is. But I'm not sure it can be uh, totally policed or regulated just because social media is such a, a unique uh, beast of its own. That's just my opinion. Yeah, yeah. No, and I and I and I agree with you. I think it's a I think it's a it's a tricky issue because that that is the magic, as you said, of, of social media, right? That it is so democratic and so, uh, I guess, free and open. And, and when when we're looking at you know, going back to like advertising and sponsorships, and and I'm glad you brought up that there, these opportunities were there before. But with a website like yours, even, what kind of changes have you seen over time? Uh, it, it must be good to be at the top, but as the the market changes and, and, and you know, you have all these different personalities also uh, biting for everyone else's attention span, what, uh, I guess, changes have you seen not only in traffic, but in maybe how the writers or, 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 or content creators have to approach the medium? Yeah, I think the big change for us has been with work in working with influencers and athletes. Because like I said, 10 years ago, this was sort of the only game in town in terms of the web or one of the only games in town. And now they have these athletes and these personalities have so many different channels and avenues to explore people. So when we want to do a program with them, whether it's on our free content site or we also have a subscription site called All Access, um, they're just much more challenging and difficult negotiations now because you're competing against their own properties, uh, against other opportunities they have. Often they have, you know, sponsorship agreements that somehow may or may not be conflictual with what we're offering. So it's just become much more complicated, much more competitive. Um, I'm not complaining about that. It's just the nature of how things have evolved. But it definitely does make it more challenging for us to work with talent just because we have so many uh, 
other other venues to compete with at this point and jeff my last question for you is you know outside of we we were talking about this as a you know semi-obstacle right and 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 how there's more people competing for everyone's attention but what do you think are some other things that might be uh holding bodybuilding and, and weight training specifically back you know from from really taking a bigger chunk of that sports sector uh, that, you know, is, is is massive, right? And and I think it's, it, we have seen growth, but what do you think are some things that might be holding it back from, you know, reaching its full potential? I think there's still some stigmas attached to it. And these go back decades, you know, because of the, the steroid element and sort of the old stereotype of the, the bodybuilder as a meathead. I mean, in fact, so many of these people are, are really knowledgeable about what they're putting in their bodies and how they're training um, so I think kind of breaking through those stigmas still to this day, bodybuilding has a certain connotation to it. Like our website, bodybuilding.com, it's been, we often refer to it as kind of a blessing and a curse because it's a great URL. It appeals to a lot of people, but for a lot of mainstream audiences, it's still the word bodybuilding sort of connotes this super, super jacked muscular guy who takes steroids and all that. Whereas we focus, we sort of interpret it more literally is anybody who's building their body kind of fits under our umbrella. And that's, you know, just average everyday people looking to lose weight, add muscle and transform. Um, so hopefully those, the stigma with bodybuilding will kind of lessen over time. And I think it has like, you know, like I said, more and more people are doing it. So I don't, I don't think, you know, that stigma is impeding them from doing it. So I, th- I think the trend is positive. I think it's going to continue. And, uh, those niches like competitive bodybuilding, they'll always be niches. I think the mainstream industry and lifestyle that's crop up around it is so much bigger now and will only continue to get bigger over time. Right, right. Well, Jeff, thank you so much again for being so candid with me and I appreciate your time. Yeah, I hope that was helpful. Thanks again to Elmore Gordado and to Jeff O'Connell, the editor-in-chief of Bodybuilding.com for that interview. Really enjoyed learning more about that industry. That's not something that I know a lot about uh, when it comes to bodybuilding. Obviously, if you've seen a picture of me or if you've seen me in person, you know that that's definitely the case, that weightlifting is definitely not one of my fortes. So it was really interesting just to learn more about that industry and about uh, some of the things that are going on there when it comes to social media, especially. I thought that was very fascinating and very interesting. So great conversation there between those two. All right, coming up next is a snippet of that conversation that I had with Ren Baker, the vice president and director of athletics at the University of North Texas. And again, we talked about the process of building a consistently successful program. Remember, the theme of today's episode really is building. And so we talked a little bit about how to motivate a large fan base, how to improve athletic facilities. UNT has a massive initiative underway right now uh, where they're going to improve a lot of facilities and build some new ones and that sort of thing. So we dive into those plans as well. We talk about media exposure. Uh, The University of North Texas plays in Conference USA for their athletics. And so uh, is the Conference USA TV deal good enough? Do they get enough national exposure from that uh, to compete with the likes of teams like Texas A&M that play in the SEC or Texas that plays in the Big 12? Uh, So can they stay nationally relevant with a TV deal like that? He answers that question as well. So there's a lot of insight to be gleaned from this interview with Ren Baker just about how a an, an athletic director at a school like North Texas, one of these schools that's not in a power conference, 
conference, how do you grow a program from that point? How do you gain national relevance the way that Boise State has and some of the other schools? Uh, we talk about Gonzaga, Boise State, uh, Butler in basketball. We talk about these schools and how they've gotten to national prominence and how uh, sports has really put them on the map. And so Ren Baker is hoping to do something similar with the University of North Texas, and he's going to outline exactly how he plans on going about doing that. But what you're going to hear right now is his answer to the question, what does the future hold for the University of North Texas when it comes to athletics? What can fans expect to see down the road? And uh, what is there to be excited about? So he's going to answer that question coming up next here on the Market Scale Sports and Entertainment Podcast. I really believe, and I tell our coaches this, if I can do my job, which is to give them resources that are competitive right, with our peers, which right now is Conference USA and Group of Five, um, I believe we can compete for national uh, for conference championships and be nationally relevant. I believe that. Um, the end goal is to is to be competing for national championships, uh, and I'll never back down from that. I'll never never hide from that. When I talk about the seating here being high, you have to you have to take steps and focus. Right now, when I came in, we weren't really competitive in Conference USA, so our goal. Uh, first and foremost was to be highly competitive in Conference USA. Um, I'm not saying that we've arrived uh, and we're where we want to be, but right now, this year, we've won over 80% of our conference games. Um, And so we're moving rapidly uh, towards that goal. Then the next goal is going to be to be one of those four or five non-Power 5 programs that everybody talks about in in football in basketball and volleyball and uh softball you know on down track and field um and so once you get there you never know with college athletics as these tv contracts come up what what realignment what's going to happen uh, we're in a great location um and so i think we'd be highly attractive uh moving forward but right now our goal is to be the best member of conference usa that we can be to be highly competitive and uh, to be one of the one of the really really elite group of five institutions that competes and goes head to head when they play power five schools and, and is nationally competitive and nationally relevant All right, well, hopefully you're sufficiently teased by that little snippet there and uh, you're eagerly anticipating the full interview with Ren Baker. That's going to be both in video and in podcast form, so uh, you'll be able to consume it in uh, multiple different ways if you are interested in that. Again, make sure you subscribe to the Market Scale Sports and Entertainment podcast either on iTunes or on Spotify or wherever you're listening to this podcast today. If you're on our website, make sure to bookmark the page. That way you can get back to it easily to get that full interview later on in the week. And to make sure that you stay up to date with all of our written content as well as podcasts and all of that sort of thing. Again, we do appreciate you listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please feel free to share it around with other people in the industry, uh, with friends family, colleagues, whoever you think might enjoy this episode. We do appreciate it if you send it their way as well. Also, 
market scale covers 14 different industries. So let's say sports isn't necessarily all that you do or you have other interests as well that you'd like to dive more deeply into. Uh, we have 14 industries that we cover. So uh, if you're interested in Pro AV, we have a lot of episodes on how Pro AV is innovating uh, in the sports and entertainment space as well. So there's a lot of different overlaps that you can uh, dive into. So if you're interested in other industries, make sure to check out those industry pages as well on marketscale.com slash industries. That's all for this week's episode of the Market Scale Sports and Entertainment Podcast. Keep an eye out for that full Ren Baker interview dropping later this week. But until then, I've been your host, Tyler Kern. Thank you for listening.